The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota. I'm Stephanie Hansen, and we are on episode number 91, and I am here with Ken Goldman. Hello, Ken Goldman. Hi, how are you, Stephanie? I am great. You are the inventor, founder of a company called Stunt Puppy. Truth. Truth. Now, I have a weird story about how I first saw your product. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, it's a good story. Okay. Um. So we have a mutual friend. Hi, Kathy Paper. Paper. Uh, I was diagnosed with cancer and had a double mastectomy and a bunch of lymph nodes removed out of my arm. Well, I've had, I'm seven years cancer free. So probably eight years if you were counting on all that. And at the time I was a runner and I was a marathon runner and I used to run with my dog and my dog was kind of a, it's a husky mix. And so it was a puller. It was always pulling. Yeah. And I had a harness for, but I still still pulled. So after the surgery and recovery, I get back out there and I'm back on the running trail and I'm realizing, wow, this holding of my dog is really different because it's really hurting my arm. I bet. And I was having some lymphedema issues and some other things. And Kathy Paper brought me this thing and she said, here, you need one of these. Oh, that's awesome. And it was your invention. Do you want to describe Stunt Puppy, the original prototype of what you invented? Yeah, that particular product is called the Stunt Runner, and the concept is hands-free running. So there's a waist belt goes around your waist, and the attachment to your dog is particularly short, so your dog can't get too far. But that connection, which we call the flexible connector, has some elastic in it, so it's kind of like a bungee. Yeah. So what's happening is it, it makes up, for the differences between the strides of you and your dog. So it's essentially this little cushion between you and your dog. It really like Minneapolis, St. Paul is ground zero for it in terms of you got people running around the lakes. It's crowded. You don't want your dog very far away, but you want some freedom. Yeah, that's really where it It's a really fabulous invention. I'm so glad that you... It, it, that worked for and you. that's, that's how awesome i came story. across it yeah and cool. and we still we still use it i don't run anymore um now i'm fast walking <laughs> that's that's fine but... too <laughs> yeah sometimes we have to let people know you can walk with it too you know yes you, could, you know hold a beer in one hand and, <laughs> and multitask exactly <laughs> yeah phone in the other whatever you need or hiking even you know because my dog's older now the same dog oh, but nice. we need her kind of close just because yeah. she can't hear very well yeah so it works really well for that too so um tell me the story about how you started stunt puppy or what's your background you're obviously a marketer i am a marketer uh but stunt puppy was absolute accident um my dog bauer uh who he passed away a few years ago um but we had him 12 years we got him when he was one 
he was really trained and we, we brought him to the vet and we didn't do the work <laughs> and we brought him to the vet and the vet is like that dog should be working uh he's a golden retriever so we're like okay and so i just enrolled in this class for therapy dogs long story short we we got registered as a therapy team we were doing a lot of work in hospitals uh-huh it started out mostly in uh like day treatment, chemo areas where, um, I mean, unfortunately, you probably know this, but people are just kind of sitting in chairs yeah. and there's a lot of room and there's nothing to do. And so, you sit there for hours. Yeah. So we would walk around and hang out with those people. And then we got moved to the psych ward. Um, and I was super scared at first, but then it became like the best thing in the world. So essentially in those units and behavioral health is the right term uh uh it's essentially like a living area and everybody has their own rooms but there's this community space where people are just hanging out so it's a really cool place to bring a dog and interact with people and we needed a little more space or a little more freedom and so i i created a leash well one we were using the stunt runner which I created. And then I created another leash, which is called the roundabout, which essentially it can, when I don't need it, I can wrap it around the dog's neck and connect it to itself. So, and, but I have it there right at my hand whenever I need it. So I was just making gear for myself. Um, I know how to sew. I actually like to sew and I really like gear. Uh, so there it goes. Yeah. And then I, I have a marketing agency that's the marketer in me and we're like, Hey, maybe we should build a brand around that. And so that was 11 years ago. And so did you bootstrap it with all your own money when you yeah. made your first prototype and yeah, it's all self-funded. Did you sew it yourself in the beginning? Yep. And yeah. And actually I, you know, not only the first prototypes, but I sewed the first products in the beginning. Wow. Yeah. And then at what point did you have enough sales that you were, excuse me, you'd think I would know how to turn that off. (laughs) Um, At what point did you have enough uh, sales that you were able to, like, you can't keep manufacturing this at home on nights and weekends? Uh, You know, I don't know. It didn't take too long. Part of it was I had to get out of the basement. (laughs) Like I was taking up too much room and anybody who knows me, there's a little bit of a trail behind me everywhere. Uh, It's all organized in my head, but not for anybody else. So I was making a big mess at home. So long story short, then we sent it up to Ely. It was made up there. Uh, Did Wintergreen make it for you? Actually, some ex-sewers of Wintergreen. Uh Um did and then so this was like 10 years ago yeah and then it and then we kind of kept running into some timing issues because that person also did will steger stuff yep so he's like i gotta do mittens for will and and that was more important than our stuff right which i get it he's going to the <laughs> north pole um doing important things and so then we moved it to a factory in maine uh and they did wonderful work it it's really hard to find factories and so yeah. on. So it was more so then. But then the manager of that factory who'd been there forever retired and then we realized how key she was because we started getting things and they weren't the same. And so about two and a half, three years ago, we said, you know what? We're bringing it back. We're going to do it ourselves and we want to make jobs in Minneapolis. 
in St. Paul. Uh, so we essentially started our own factory. So Okay, so you're sewing everything here. Correct. Yeah. And I am keen to this idea that there is a need for sewers for products like yours and others, that the Twin Cities has got a huge void of people that know how to sew. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a catch-22. It's You need the sewers, and you need the machines, and you need people to maintain the machines, and like, what do you do first, and do the sewers need to be trained, or do you sew them, and... Or do you train them yourselves? There's some new programs here, like at Dunwoody. Yeah. They're training them. And our sewing, to be honest, is a little different. We can train sewers from from zero. Yep. Um, But we have some other products coming up where that would not be the case. So it's kind of an evolving process. A friend of mine had been involved with J.W. Hume and started that program with Dunwoody. Um, And I'm glad to hear that it's still going so you've expanded the call into collars and now some vests. And- yeah, we have harnesses, collars, leashes, and uh, I. When will this podcast be out? Uh, it will be out on June fifth. Oh, so I'll say this then. Uh, so we're doing a joint venture with a company in New Zealand that makes jackets and life jackets. Um, and those, so our line is really expanding. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, and those jackets will be, mostly will be made in the U.S. One jacket, which is merino wool, will be made in New Zealand, because that's where the wool's coming uh-huh. from. And the life jackets are made at one of the premier life jacket companies in the world, which that is in China, because they make the best life jackets. I'm so. going to ask just a completely ignorant question, mm-hmm. because... I've only ever had labs pretty much yeah. or lab derivatives and they're just crazy about swimming and swim. Yeah. What are Why you dog creating life dog jacket? life jackets for? So it, it's a super fair question and I have this great write up which says exactly why and I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> but point number one is dogs are sprinters. Yep. Not swimmers. So they're not necessarily made to be in the water for long periods of time. Okay. So your labs and like I have Goldens. Yep. They're probably the best to have in the water and that's what they're made for. But I know if I throw a stick way out in like Lake Superior, yep. my dog will go for it whether it should or not. Right. So it's kind of a safety uh-huh. in that sense. And then there's a bunch of dogs that can't swim. Yeah, like the snub-nosed dogs. Yeah. And... Or you look at a Doberman or a Vishla that have like zero body fat. They're not meant to float. Yep. So, um, but I am going to send you the link that gives you like exactly. Uh, it's an interesting, because I believe yeah. that there's a market there. No, totally. And well, and why should a dog wear a jacket? That's another question. And there's there are good reasons there. I mean, we cater to more athletic-minded people and dogs. Um, not that non-athletic people (laughs) or non-athletic dogs are, there's no issue. We just have kind of picked our position, but even a dog, like let's say it's been hunting or running and it's wet or cold or it's older, it's like a kind of a great after workout to put like a Merino wool. I mean, these jackets are nicer than, than I have. (laughs) So, and then you have like little dogs that just might need a puffy jacket. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Uh, again, having a golden retriever, my golden retriever almost never would need a jacket. But one is 12, and you know, probably next winter she'll probably wear one at certain points during the winter. So you have all of these businesses going on, and maybe it's a benefit to have a marketing company too, but where do you find time to work on your actual business and also have this marketing company? Well, they're physically right next to each other. I mean, one door next to the other. So yep. that I couldn't do it if that wasn't the case. Um, and it's just kind of this this fluid back and forth. It just depends on what's going on um, in which company. They, you know, and, and people I say, well, how much do you spend on this? And how much do you spend on that? And it it's different every day. It's just, there's kind of a rhythm to it. And you, so for a long time, you just had the leashes, not just, but the leashes and a collar. And now yeah. you seem like you're expanding into more gear. Why the renewed interest and expansion? Well, the harnesses, people had been asking for years for those. And we literally spent five years designing a harness. That sounds more impressive than it really is. It was <laughs> it was a lot of like, oh, no, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And we didn't want to just go out and copy something. If we were going to do it, it needed to have something different about it. And it, its hook, so to speak, is that it helps prevent pulling, um, where a lot of harnesses can actually encourage pulling. Right. And so that was just a long time coming. And then... Th- the rest of the the line from New Zealand are is a company that we've known for ten years, and we're just very like minded, and it's kind of one of those. And we've always been friendly. We've designed things for each other, and we just figure, you know what, we're going to be bigger and better, better when we're bigger together. And yeah, it's just kind of it's one plus one equals three. Cheesy uh, statement. So what? So you're in a weird space here because you're creating unique elements to existing products that make them uniquely yours or uniquely yep. unique to the marketplace. You are appealing to people that like gear. You are appealing to people that are athletic or in the athleisure type mm-hmm. area where they're going to spend a little bit more money on yep. their dogs. Um, how do you market these products? And has that been challenging? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if anybody says it's not challenging, they're lying. Uh, it, social media is huge. So uh, that's really launched them in a way that maybe... Yeah, it's interesting. And in having a marketing agency, we actually didn't do a lot of marketing in the beginning, which sounds counterintuitive. Second, we um, we really tried to pick a position and focus on it, which is people who run with dogs. So we've spent a lot of time in that market. Yep. Um, and then trying to capitalize on being made in the U.S. and not not in a sense where we're like draping ourselves in the flag, but more in a sense, hey, we can be quicker. So you can order that collar and we can customize it and have it to you in two days. Right. So we have Speed. a product um, called Stump Puppy ID where the, the information is actually dye sublimated right into the collar. Yep. And... You know, you can't do that if you're making your products overseas. That's great because it doesn't have, I hate the tinkling noise of dog tags. That's the big, that's the big thing. Yeah. Yeah, Where it's clink, 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 clink. just eliminate the the noise. Yeah. Yep. Um, How do you decide how to price your products? Like, do you compare them to other things in a store? A lot of it is looking at the competition. 
you know, we're on paper, it should be like, what's our margin, you know, all things like that. But we can't, we can't compete that way for the other companies that are producing overseas. Like our margins are smaller, period. Yeah. But that also means we focus on trying to sell more direct to consumer than, and we do sell to retail and we have two distributors too, uh, outside of the country, one in South Korea and one in Japan. So, but there's more flexibility there because they can charge more for the products. Yep. Um, the dog market is huge, right? Yep. And do you anticipate that it's just going to keep growing? Well, I think it's, yes, I'm sure it'll keep growing. And it's really easy to say, oh, the dog market is X billion dollars. And if we could just get one half of 1%, I know. But if you look at those numbers, one, so much of that is food and medical and other things. So first of all, you have to get all that away. And then if you look at leashes and collars, which nobody from what we know, and hopefully somebody would prove me wrong who can hear this, has really separated leashes and collars. Um, So that's a small piece. It's a really small piece. And then within that piece, like you said, we're appealing to this athletic or athleisure market. So it's even smaller. Uh, So yeah, it's big, but it's not as big as everybody makes out to be. I think we judge more on the dog status in society as it moves up our market grows so if you look at other countries uh i just got back from korea two days ago uh cool yeah did you eat korean barbecue i did (laughs) i ate so many things and some things i didn't know what i was eating and i'd never met in person with our distributor there and i needed to see and we've worked together like four years right so i just I needed to see what the market there was. And it's so different. I mean, first of all, dogs are huge there, but it's mostly small dogs. Yep. Um, but there, although there are getting to be more large dogs, but I just needed to understand why she wanted things the way she wanted them. Cause she was very particular in some details and just that people don't care about here. Like, yeah. They would never buy a collar without a matching leash. That that's not true here. Uh, no. And almost always use harnesses. Always, always, always. I mean, they're definitely growing here, but not everybody uses them. Yeah, harness. that's interesting. So uh, so there's a, a culture where the dog has risen in society, and there's other you know, cultures where that's happening. So I feel like that's where the growth is happening. Because yeah. there's dogs all over the world, but a lot of them are just outside. They're not considered family members. Exactly. Yeah. Or they have jobs. Yep. Like, hey, your job is to go get the cows at the end of the day and bring them back. Right. Um, right. So. Um, tell me about, so you're a traditional marketer. So did you have a specialty in the day of, were you a TV guy, radio guy? What was your deal? Uh, so my background out of business school was nonprofit arts administration. So which led me in. I, I so I ran a small nonprofit in uh-huh. San Francisco. It was an art center for children, and I was like a punk. I was super young, <laughs> and uh, but that got my hands like on everything. Um, and then from there, I went to a large musical theater in San Jose, similar to the Ordway here. So you know, twenty six hundred seats, and that really gave me a chance to do a lot of radio, print. Um, print advertising and print collateral. Yeah. Um, and 
it just measured constantly. It's like butts and seats, period. Uh, so, and then I was working with a lot of agencies. So that's, I'm like, hey, I want to be on that side of the table. And I just happened to go to that side of the table in, you know, mid nineties and the web just exploded and yeah. I went to an interactive agency in Silicon Valley. So it was a pretty weird cool time. Cool, weird time. Yeah. yeah. So then so I kind of focused on in interactive. So do you understand like websites and how to market products on websites and is that Well interest websites one hundred percent. I mean I I've grumpy old man voice. I've been there from the beginning. Um but <laughs> but but selling online is like a whole nother thing. So, so Stump Puppy has really taught me more about that than any of our clients. Cause most of my clients in the past are like giant brands yeah. and a lot of, not a lot of e-commerce, although there has been some. So are you pretty good at search engine optimization and lead click per lead, click per lead, lead per click on just those two things? <laughs> uh, we use other people. Okay. And I think at our agency, we say that's kind of a black art. Uh, it seems and, to be because... And, and it's constantly changing. Yes. And so we work with people who focus in just that. And it's really dynamic and moves really fast. Very much so. So we're doing all the creative, all the messaging, all the strategy. But in terms of literally putting that stuff out or, you know, buying the media and, and things the like that. Click, yeah. Yeah. That's stuff that we don't do and we employ uh, other agencies. So let me ask you this question. You, you have to hire for that. How do you know like that they're not just full of crap? Because I think sort of this dark art of search engine optimization seems like there's also a lot of people that have no idea what they're doing and they're charging you tons of money and the needle's never moving. You're 100%. Right. Okay. And, and we've had that happen. Um, we're working with a group now where the needle is moving. It's it's moving variably depending on the week, and and I'm still having quite a bit of faith in them. And the the big reason is because of the upwork front upwork ah, work up front that they did, and their weekly communication. Like they're telling me exactly why things are working or why they're not working. Yeah, so they're managing and, up and being absolutely. And um, as long as I see that there's, I know they're putting a hundred percent effort in, and as long as we do that too, I feel like we're getting our best yep. shot. Yep. But uh, it's getting harder and harder. Uh, um, and I mean Facebook. So much of it is around Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. It, it's scary. Um, and it changes every day. So you are hiring a company that is doing search engine optimization, pay-per-click advertising through Google, probably. Actually, we're not using Google right now. Okay. So you're it's just mostly, it's mostly in Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. Okay. Yeah. And can you like... I'm not saying that's right. So don't try this at home. I mean, that, it may uh, be right for your product. I mean, right. I was in postcard marketing, so direct mail, we had to pay per click and we knew exactly if you clicked on it, how much you were going to convert and how much you were going right. to spend. And, and that became a good business model for us. But I mean, by the time we sold the business, we were also spending $65,000 a month. Right. So some of that is just cash. Wow. Old timey phone. <laughs> um, 
So <laughs> this is just that's awesome. So we'll just, we'll, we'll cut that out. Okay, this is hysterical. Has that phone ever rang before? Well, Ken, in the 91 podcast episodes I've done, I think it rang once, and it actually, like, rang. Yeah. What's fascinating is, so my computer (laughs) rang, the like, (laughs) and it was a sad phone ringing. (laughs) That is super sad phone. Oh, that is Um, hilarious. So... What did you just ask? Oh, I was asking oh, the about $65,000 a month. Yeah, by the time that we sold our company, we were spending $65,000 a month on Google pay-per-click. Right. So so for us, the key is if we can get a customer once and it, and then they're in our database, it's so much it's so valuable for us because our emails How do you have a high day. open rate? Yeah. And what do you mind if I ask what it is? It, you can Totally ask. I just don't know it off the top of my head. Uh, it's well over 30%. Okay, which so, is good because I think isn't the national average like 15%, but that takes into account everything. So most people, it's really like five. Yeah. And I, again, our agency does a lot of email marketing. Okay. And so I wouldn't put too much stock in those averages because there's so many variables. Is it e-commerce? Is it information? How often is that company sending emails? I mean, think about... The emails you get from a company that send them every day. Can I ask you about more email marketing questions Please. that yeah. I'm sure you're utilizing these resources for stunt puppies. So yeah. what is, are we worried that like WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or the Instagram messaging that that's going to essentially replace email at some point? Email still one of the most powerful mediums and especially in terms of our ROI, ROI period. Because mm-hmm. um, it's a one-to-one connection with yeah, someone and that's given su- you permission. Yeah. And it's super unsexy. And yeah, because there's all the filters and it's that seems like it's like getting harder and harder to get the emails through. But if you do it right and you're sending the right email, the right content at the right time, and those are all critical things. Yep. Um, it's a great thing. I, I mean, think about how many emails you get in a day that you really want to open. It's probably not that many, but there are some. Yeah. Like and for there you, are like some... what's an email that you like, you see it and you're like, oh, yeah. Um, Probably my Garnet Hill or Athleta mm-hmm. or. How often do you get it? Mm, sometimes too much. And then I, I'm actually one of those people that will unsubscribe if you send yeah. me too many emails. Well, and actually. From a marketer's point of view, that's a great thing that you unsubscribe. The worst thing is you don't unsubscribe and you just get the email. That's like, it's like passive. It, it's horrible because we don't know what's going on. It's, okay. Um, and that's like the worst kind of email to send. Like you're just sending it out there. They're so sick of you. They won't even take the energy to unsubscribe. That's bad. I don't like when you unsubscribe and then... You have to like enter the email address to unsubscribe, but I have like 52 email addresses. I can never remember. That's ridiculous. And yeah, I'm just trying to stop the madness. (laughs) Oh, but wait, are you sure you want to unsubscribe? (laughs) (laughs) Like, shoot me now. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Or how about when you order something online and then you're getting more Facebook messaging or whatever telling you to buy it? I'm like, I just bought it. The remarketing. Yeah. That works though, I think. But no, that works. But what if you bought it and you're still getting the remarketing? Yeah. 
And there's a way to turn that off if they know what they're doing. Yes. They should. And so it's like just salt in the wound. I just gave you 50 bucks and I still have to see your ad again. Of all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. It's a little weird too. Like I've noticed, um, I noticed this with Facebook in particular where, you know, maybe I'm on my computer shopping for, um, new running shoes. And then like, I noticed that Facebook is sending me like things from, you might like this page or, and, like, oh, okay. So you, I feel like you have a window into my computer that, cause it's not, I wasn't on Facebook looking for this stuff, but now Facebook knows that I'm looking at running shoes. It's yeah. very creepy. Yeah. But I know that's, it's the way it's going. And I mean, it's creepy on, you know what? It's creepy if it's used for bad. And we know it was. So yeah. now. But it's not creepy if, and this sounds kind of like BS, but if you can send me a more targeted ad, um, then that's good for me, right? Yeah, but it's because. It's a fine yeah. line. Um, and I wish I, they'd send me more tasty videos. I wish that. Yeah. Um, no, well, yeah, we can, we'll talk about that offline. Um, <laughs> How do you feel about videos in general? Do you think it's important for like the listeners of this podcast, people that are making stuff in Minnesota? They're, you have to have videos, period. And if they're a thousand dollars to produce the algorithm, them, should you do that or should you just do them on your iPhone and punt? Well, do them as good as you can do them, but the algorithm says you have to have videos. Sorry. How do you I, feel I, about videos on Instagram? Um, it's not from what I know. And again, this could all change in 15 minutes. We won't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying it's constantly changing. It's not as important on Instagram from everything we know. The stories, they like video on the stories, but putting video as your Instagram post so far, it's kind of flat. Yeah. We're, we're not seeing as good results. Me neither. And I'm... Instagram is this little safe spot, I think, for me personally, <laughs> where I can just like, I'm just going to look at Instagram and not look at Facebook and, you know, just look at nice pictures. Pictures and, and... It's all given us... A, I'm getting off track now, but I feel like it's given us an opportunity to like reset our personal audience because <laughs> I feel like Facebook, we're all like, hey, yeah, I'll be your friend. Sure, sure, sure. You know, and so my Facebook is just whatever I've... Trash. Yeah, but my yep. Instagram, I feel like I got a chance to start over. I'm just going to look at things from you, you, you. I mean, I don't care who follows me. I don't have that's really interesting. down. But yeah, I keep telling my wife, I'm like, you got to stop looking at Facebook, <laughs> says the guy who depends on Facebook. And for- all I know a lot of people that are looking at it. So for Stunt Puppy, are you obsessed with growing your Instagram following? No. Okay. Uh I mean, obviously I want it to grow, but it is, it is not because it, honestly, if I just cared about the number, we could make the number bigger. Yeah. Cause you would just buy followers. Yeah. Or just do stuff to make it bigger. Yeah. I'm, I'm more interested in who's following us. Which leads me to how do you feel about social media influencers? So the dogs of Instagram is based out of the Twin Cities as an example. Right. Have a gajillion followers. Right. Maybe would it make sense for you to like hire them to use your product and give you some feedback on the product? My and are you looking at those types of relationships as beneficial? So, our take on influencers right now is we're looking for a more genuine relationship. Um, I'm we're being very idealistic about it right now. So, right now, 
the people we're giving product to, almost all, not all, but are what we call sponsored athletes or mm-hmm. dogs. Um, uh, we definitely have gear testers, um, but they're not paid. Um, the only paid scenario we did like that was a there's a a running it's like a company that utilizes twitter called bib chat Mm -hmm. and they get they have a bunch of runners who tweet to each other yeah and so they go out and test products and talk about amongst each other's um and so we like basically buy time yeah and we will so we'll send stuff out for people to test and actually that's that's been really cool and uh so it's kind of, we're buying placement, but all the other products are out there. No one's getting money for that. They're getting free product, but usually we're contacting them. They're not, you just look us. at their Instagram and is yeah. there a sweet spot? Like I sometimes wonder like, oh yeah, 50,000 followers, but maybe I really want to be with the person that has 4,000 followers that they're really organically have followed them. Yeah. I, there's not, there's not a set number. I mean, we like for it to be over 5,000. But it just depends. Like, we have this weird little niche right now where, um, so I'm a drummer and, and Cause I, you have all this time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I follow a lot of drummers and there's a, I mean, a lot of people have dogs, but there's a lot of drummers who have Instagram accounts and a lot of them show their dogs. So we have a few dogs of famous drummers that we're sponsoring <laughs> and like, that's cool. Uh, anyone you can share? Uh, Carter McLean, who was just on, uh, he just did last week with uh, Seth Meyers. He was the drummer in the band, but he's the house drummer for Lion King on Broadway. Okay. Um, so his dog has his own Instagram account. Um, and but if you look at, uh, I think it's Carter Mac Drums. I should know that off the top of my head, but Carter McLean Drums. That's funny. You'll yeah. find his Instagram. And so, um, so yeah, there's a few connections like that. Um, just niche. Can I ask a couple questions about the local dog pet product community? Yeah. The reason I'm interviewing you is because actually someone sent me an email and said, hey, can you find, I'd like to support more local makers in the pet space. And can you help me find local products that are made in the in Minnesota or people that are making cool products for pets here? Um, you're in a kind of different league than some of these other people just because maybe you've been at it longer or your company has grown faster. How much do you think your company is valued at right now? Do you have any idea? Hmm. Uh, it's worth what somebody would pay for it. Well, and isn't that always the case? <laughs> yeah. So, no, I. it's interesting because with other companies I've worked with, I mean, that's always been a number talked about. But right now there's like no, there's just so many things we want to do before we even think about that. Like, So if you got to a number, let's say, what would that number be where you'd be like, wow, I've arrived and I feel like maybe I could sell it once I get to this number. Wow. Over $10 million. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I was going to say 15, but yeah. And, yeah. and that's a good local company. I mean, that's a successful business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, yeah. And to a fault, we're probably don't think about those things on purpose because we really we enjoy the whole thing. Yeah, the, the making. That's okay too. And the 
and this last three years with bringing, you know, the factory and when I, I factory sounds really big cause it's a really small space, but just the idea of making jobs here, uh, is really important to us. I mean, not to sound cheesy, but it, it just feels really good. It was the part of the business that I think I ended up liking the most that I didn't mm-hmm. anticipate, but it also bared the most pressure. You know, when you're laying in bed at night and thinking about the college kid that has worked for you for 10 years, mm-hmm. who's now had one baby and just bought a house and mm-hmm. the pressure of keeping all these people employed. Yeah. It yeah. gets a little, it gets a little stressful. Yeah. Well, and especially like, it's interesting you say that, that I, we have people that have been with us like, 10 years and at the agency longer than 10 years, you're like, Oh my God, that's like a big piece of their life. Yeah. And you, yeah, you feel a responsibility. And they gave it to you yeah. and you want to honor what they gave you. 100%. And their yeah. work. Um, okay. So you are, do you go to like dog trade shows and dog pet shows and do pop-up pets and, uh, no, sometimes yes. Depending on the show. Um, yeah, we, we don't do a ton of pet shows. We've done them. We'll do outdoor shows. Uh, or More shows that are, dog. yeah. Yep. Um, and, but we're gonna be, we're going to be doing more pop-up stuff. Like we have an Airstream base camp that's getting Cute. all branded. And so our New Zealand friends who are in the States now are gonna be driving around with their adorable accents and, uh, and, Popping up. Cute. Yeah. I love it. We're excited uh, about that. What made you pick an Airstream just because of the iconic and it's so cool? And maybe you can have fun in it? Y- yeah. And it's it's a new one. It's not... At first, we were going to retrofit an old one and it just looked like a money pit. Yeah, it um, can be. So we wanted... It's small, new, it, you know, it's solar, it's... Cool. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And that fits definitely within the brand of the lifestyle Absolutely. of what you're trying to cultivate. And we were thinking like. of something that would attract just our customers. Yeah. They would, yeah. Are there other local pet products that you like? Um, yeah. You know, Mendota is here and I think they've been here way longer than us from what I understand. And I feel like they, I mean, they're really popular with the hunting, mm-hmm. uh, crew. Um, there's been some others. Uh, there's a cool brand. I, I haven't heard of them in a little while, but called Rugged Wrist that is kind of making things. Uh, uh, I think it's mostly collars, but um, they have kind of a nautical mm-hmm. theme. Um, I think they're out of like Minnetonka. Are there other brands locally that aren't dog related that you just like admire and think like, wow, that is a great invention and those people are hitting it on all cylinders. Um, I think more in terms of brand than product. Uh, so there's a few brands that I, uh, Martin Patrick. Yeah. Uh, which is a retailer. Um, and we used to be in the same building as them. And so I was in there a lot and they're doing something right. Yes, they are. Um, I'd like to podcast them. I should give them a shout. Yeah, I, from every conversation I've had with everybody there, they seem really friendly. Yeah, Askoff Finlinson is interesting in that when I first went in there, it's, it was like, wow, this this seems like an odd collection of things, and I feel like they've they just they really worked at it, and they've they found Their a niche. spot. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. it took them a while, and I, I mean, not really long, but I really appreciate 
the fact that to just see that evolution, um, I'm just like being all North loopy right now. <laughs> uh, uh, Red Wing shoes. Yeah. Um, we've actually done some work for them with the agency. I, I just have a lot of respect yeah. for that brand. And the family. and Absolutely. Yeah, I hear you on that um, one, too. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure there's a, a bunch yeah, there's I'll think tons of, of others. Yeah. Um, I have really enjoyed spending time with you today. Do you think we got your whole story? <laughs> we didn't even get like to the start of it. Yeah, no, this is fine. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk. We another will. Time. Yeah. We will. No, We've thanks. been talking with Ken Goldman. He yeah, is thanks the, for having yeah, me. Yeah, founder of Sun Puppy. Do you have a? So you have a? How many dogs do you have now? You have a 12 year old golden. Yeah, and I have a two and a half year old golden. So I think two is a good number. Two. Yeah, I'd like to get another dog, but I think my dog. I'm worried she's too old to be. Did you find when you introduced another younger dog into the mix that that was welcome? Yeah, and it's a timing thing. I think, yeah, you can be too late to do that. I think I kind of missed the window. I think Grandma wouldn't appreciate (laughs) (laughs) the newbie in the house. So thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. Right on.